And here we are. This is it. My guest is taking a, taking a seat after doing an off-air introduction. Yeah. This is episode 369 of No Laugh Track Podcast. We are here, what is it, the first week February here at Acme Comedy Company. I'm Justin Severson, the host, doing something new this week, holding the microphone. We've done 368 episodes. Pete Lee, I'm talking to Pete Lee. Yes, we're on episode 369. <laughs> the position that people glorify, but nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> or once, and then they realize they don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, <laughs> like, like showering together. <laughs> I can't breathe, and it smells. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> so, yeah, so speak, uh, new thing, holding the mic. We'll yeah. see how this goes. What uh, What did you do before? Mic stand? Was mini it? mic stand. Mini. I hate mini mic stands because you're always hunkering over the table. It's never tall enough. You always want it to go taller so that you can sit up. But it's basically like the collapsed long mic stand. So uh, The truth is, is I'm, I'm actually really glad that Brandon told uh, suggested that I go without the stand this week because I watched a little bit. I watched some of last week's episode back. Mm-hmm. and. It's it's obnoxious watching me herky jerky back and forth on the thing. So we're gonna this is gonna be the end of that. Yeah, you look like it. Whenever you're using one of those uh, desk, uh, what do we call them? What did you call them? Types of mics? Oh, um, I don't know. Just a mini little tripod. Mini tripod, uh, desktop thing. You look like you're testifying in front of the Senate. Like, yes, I can confirm that question. <laughs> yes, we we have no, we no, no no yeah yes yes to that yes. As a matter of fact, we forgot to do the swearing in before we started recording. Oh, I know. So if you don't mind, Brandon, bringing the Bible out, and we'll do that yeah. now. <laughs> because there's only truth here. Yeah. Of course. No no fibbing. God is having a weird day today. <laughs> He's having, like, a, a weird day. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to claim I know him personally. I mean, I, yeah. maybe we've chatted, but I couldn't, you know. There's no secrets that I'm holding from. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, I don't want to get political, but um, that... Today, like if you're listening to this, today was the national prayer breakfast, and Trump essentially said, "I know God, and God doesn't like people that do that." Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like, <laughs> like that's like uh, you know, anytime you're at a club like this, there are people that are like, "I know Pete, I'm friends with him. Can I get in for free?" <laughs> and yeah. right now, right now, God's in heaven, going, "Wait, oh, I don't." I'm just going to stay in the green room. Yeah, and, I um, mean, I acknowledge Donald's existence, but. Let's, yeah. let's just, we're acquaintances at best. Uh, I know I said I love everyone. <laughs> but, oh, this is weird. <laughs> this is so, like, weird now. <laughs> Awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awkward. Oh, I just spilled a... Uh... I spilled pop on my on my pants. Oh, you spilled pop? I spilled you? some pop. I'm doing um. There's this real fancy coffee shop near where I live, and um, they give you espresso, and then they give you a soda water chaser, and I can't tell you how refreshing an espresso with a with a club soda chaser is. What? Um, I but, never heard of such a thing. But yeah, it's 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 absolutely delicious. Um, I know it sounds like real frou frou, but I'm if you're out there, you're a truck driver. Let's make this manly. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it manly. Yeah, give me coffee, black, bubbly water chaser. What do you call? It? Is that a California coffee? I don't know. I guess California so. California burger has, you know, like mayonnaise and lettuce yeah. on it. The California <laughs> coffee. It's uh, a, <laughs> if you want to ask for this drink, just go up to the counter and go, hey, could I get a huge pussy? <laughs> I want to, I want to, <laughs> it's probably just called a huge pussy. I don't know. But. Is it a vag special today? 
Yeah. But, but what's more masculine than being attracted to a feminine drink? And See? Did you ask for the lemon or did they put that in there? Uh, dude at the bar gave me the lemon. Uh, I didn't want it. I don't want it. Do you think, let's let's be honest, Pete. Do you think, so who's bartending right now? John? Do you think, do you, I don't know how well you know John. Did John look you up and down and go, lemon? Yeah, I don't really know John, but John knows me. <laughs> <laughs> John knows what I want. <laughs> and it was a lemon in my bubbly water. I, I, I think you're dead on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think John does. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, Pete, I got to, so we didn't do this last year when we were here. We had a little, I was just coming back from a vacation in Florida yeah. and, uh, we had a little, we just, we ran out of time. There was a snowstorm. There was a giant snowstorm. Uh, it was like a crazy snowstorm. And then, uh, I remember my, my girlfriend was here and so we were trying to like see the sights yep. and, um, I was trying, I remember saying to you, I was like, dude, I can do it, but it'd be preferable if not, because she wanted to go see the Mall of America, and then we went and saw the Mall of America, and afterwards she was like, we should have done that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I didn't realize that that mall is stupid, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. It's just a mall that has four of each store. Yeah. And I'm guessing she... she- She's in town with you this week? No, she's not in no, town. Okay. Uh, because I, of the Mall of America. Yeah, because, of, no. Um, she didn't come because I didn't let her. Uh, <laughs> no. she um, she uh, She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and there's a huge uh, mental health shortage in L.A. and uh, and just in California in general, probably in the world. But um, she can't not work right now. Like, she has so many patients that she has to work. So she can't be here in Minnesota partying with us uh, because she's – Helping people. <laughs> fixing the world. Yeah, fi- she's time. literally fixing the world, medicating people, and, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a goddamn angel. What is the status of your the podcast you were doing with her? Okay, oh, wow, which, uh, so we're now starting, you guys just went to video podcast. Yes, uh, sir. We paused our podcast for a little while because we were getting all the video equipment. Uh, Most now, recent one was December, probably? Uh, yeah, I think it was probably right? December, okay. yeah, something around there. And uh, But uh, the podcast is firing back up on video, and I brought you a t-shirt. What is this? Um, from our podcast. Uh it's the oh. Snuggle Storm podcast, and now you get to wear a really rad T-shirt. <laughs> I, have, I have all sizes, too, so if that, if that doesn't fit, we can just exchange that one out. This is what uh, – well, you gave me a large. This is what I would ask for if I was buying one from you. Yeah. From the uh, Mall, Amer- Mall of America store or wherever. So, so now you I love ha- it. Now you have an official Snuggle Storm pod shirt. Uh, I, also, I, I have those available after the shows and stuff, and um, people buy them that – don't even know that I have a podcast. They just like the brand of Snuggle Storm. I was actually going to ask you that. Yeah. Because I, I figured. I actually, a lot of people buy the shirt and then they start listening to the podcast because they just are, they're like, oh, this is a rad shirt. And then, oh, maybe I'll give the podcast a listen. And the podcast is like, it's like half comedy, half mental health because she's on, it's the podcast her and I do together. Yeah. So um, a lot of times, we don't dictate that the comics have to talk about their mental health issues and stuff, but oh. usually, given the the opportunity to sit down with somebody like Jamie, they have a million questions, and then it just kind of goes there. Yeah. yeah. Ha, have you found a comedian that doesn't have mental health issues? Not a damn one. <laughs> no, we're all we're all crazy in in some weird way. I mean. Personally, I uh, you know I have anxiety. I've always had anxiety. Yeah, and, I'm gonna, uh, I got to say right now that uh, I love, and I've talked about it many times in the past. 
your appearances on this podcast. I love how open you've been. Oh yeah, so honest about stuff. And uh, yeah, I've let's been, get into it. So I've we're, been through a lot of therapy, and uh, now I'm actually I'm discovering um, I'm discovering if I want to do like a general anti anxiety medicine. Uh, I I try I do this medicine when I'm on like the Tonight Show or like big TV appearances called propranolol. And it's a it's a heart rate medication that basically kills all of your fight or flight. Like somebody could be shooting you with a machine gun and you'd be like, these bullets are amazing. It doesn't slow down your cognitive ability like like a Xanax or a Klonopin would, uh, but it just kills your fight or flight. And so like when I'm out there on The Tonight Show, I'm like, oh, there's the roots. Like I'm just, you know, oh, Jimmy, that's my friend. And I'm so happy when I'm out there because I have no anxiety and I'm just experiencing it like I would if I was really enjoying myself. And how are Um, you not taking those pills every day? Because it's a heart rate medication and I already have a pretty low heart rate. So (laughs) the day after propranolol... It's it's like I wake up and my whole body is like, and so just um, drained, just drained. And there are people like if you have a high or like generally elevated heart rate, you could take propranolol every single day. It's called a beta blocker. Okay, and uh, but I just am not somebody that can take one every day. Uh, Some people literally take it daily, and it works for them. Um, I have uh, I was uh, you know that little that little pocket in your jeans. Yeah. Um, I call that my emotional parachute because I always travel with a propranolol in that pocket. I have a propranolol, I have a clonopin, and then I have a GABA, which is like an herbal, you know, like an herbal Xanax kind of a thing. And so if I'm out and about and I'm having a lot of anxiety, I know I can like, you know, pull the ripcord with one of those things. And it gives me less anxiety just knowing that it's there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, how par- quick do those hit? Um, uh, propranolol hits within like a half hour, uh, Xanax, Klonopin, that can hit within like 15 minutes cause I have the quick dissolve ones. But, um, I don't know, like I've noticed that there, like there are situations where I can be having like a good anxiety day. And then next thing I know, I'm literally like sitting at a table, you know, at the comedy cellar or at the comedy store across from the most famous person ever. Yeah. And sometimes I feel so cool in that situation. Other times my brain is like, ah, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> okay. Really? Now I'm good. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's, but that's why, uh, I have a, I have a, my own psych nurse practitioner. That's not Jamie in California. You can't prescribe to somebody that has your same address. And so, um, that's written somewhere in law. Yeah. It's written in law. And, um, uh, so I have a psych nurse practitioner and she's like, she's like, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're walking around with a parachute, maybe you, um, maybe you need like a general anxiety medicine that can just kind of, you know, you just walk around with. And yeah, I'm so kind of, I'm kind of surprised you don't already take one. But. I think it really is like, uh, you know, for all that I preach that people shouldn't have like machismo and all that kind of stuff. I really think that like my own ego is like, I don't need that, you know, like, you know, like, like, oh, if I get on one of those every single day. That'll give me a case of the sissies. <laughs> sure. I mean, but, I, uh, I mean, I'm not currently going to therapy, although I'm strongly considering it <laughs> once again. It's, it's great. But I did, you know, do the math 10, 9, 10 years ago, 
uh, for a while. And, uh, I mean, that was my attitude before I ever went to that. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, this is just for pussies. This is for sissies. This is for you can't handle shit. What? Huh? You have to talk to somebody? So, yeah. Rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it. Exactly. Run a lap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, uh-huh. just run a lap. Uh-huh. But, no, I uh, yeah, I'm at the point right now where... And I also think it's because, you know, things are kind of bubbling in my career, and I have more... I have more stuff on a you know on like a daily weekly basis that makes my my blood boil in a good way and you know you can do all the talk therapy that you want and that's re- it's really good to do talk therapy um uh I I'm a big fan of it I'm going to get back into it but you know sometimes when you're having like two meetings with NBC in a week it just you know you're you're basically having two giant job interviews with your dream of all dream jobs that maybe point zero 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 one percent of people get to do yeah. and and you just don't wanna you don't wanna freak out and ruin that opportunity so you you know you manage your anxiety with some propranolol and you try to do all the like healthy thoughts that you can and but uh there's a part of me that just goes, All right, now that I'm moving into this realm where there's more of that stimulus on a weekly basis and my my nervous system is not catching up to thinking that this new normal is normal. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I need to get on an anti anxiety. <laughs> I think I, I do think I maybe just have one more question. So, yeah. did this whole uh, the parachute in your pocket? Did that start before or after dating your girlfriend? That started before her. Um, uh, so actually, I had a I had all these prescriptions before her, um, but one night. And I, this sounds like I'm name dropping, but uh, I, was, I, was, I, yeah. I, I encourage name dropping. All right. So please, by all means, at, please. I was at the comedy cellar and John Mayer was there. Oh, and, but people um, I've heard of it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. And my, uh, which by the way, I'd love that. I love him so much and he's a great guy. Um, and he just sat down with my friend Nikki Glazer and I, and he had dinner and he was telling me cause he's sober, but, uh, he said that he still will put you know, like, like a Xanax or so, or something like that, like an anti-anxiety thing in that little thing. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I call it my parachute. And so, um, ah. ever since then I was like, dude, I need a parachute. Uh, you know, in that moment I felt very comfortable with John Mayer cause he's such a warm, introspective guy. Sure. Uh, he has a lot of empathy. Um, but, uh, you know, it could have gone the other way. If John Mayer was a dick, I would have cried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't like, oh, uh, but then when I travel with the dead, we got a whole other shit I did. Yeah, we got <laughs> we got a, we got a lot of other stuff. Um, yeah, he he did tell me a few things about drugs uh, in that convo, but I feel like I'd be I would be a jerk if I shared them. Mm-hmm. Pub- I'll tell you after this, but um, uh, I'll just say this: he does a really f- really funny thing with drugs. Okay, yeah, that's okay. what I'll, I will say. Sure, sure. Um, and by that, I mean um, kids. He just says no. <laughs> Speaking of that, mm-hmm. I loved your interview in High Times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so much fun. My friend Steve Ladden, uh, he came to our pool party. We had a 4th of July pool party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, it's 4th of July. I was drinking whiskey and smoking weed like Willie Nelson. It's legal in, in L.A. And, um, and this guy had really great weed. And I was like, how do you have such great weed? And he's like, oh, I write... He's like, I write for high times. And then I started telling him about my grandma that owned a bong shop when I was growing up. And then she fought the federal government because my grandpa taped a baggie of tobacco to every single water bong and put a label that said the tobacco water bong. 
And that court case, along with a few other court cases similar to it, were what made bongs legal in America. So my grandmother was, uh, you know, like a pioneer in the pot revolution. And, you know, her, um, at the time, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever, if the people watching have ever watched, uh, there's a great documentary called just Marijuana um, on uh on Netflix, it's either marijuana or cannabis, but they basically talked about how the government was stigmatizing marijuana as like a black drug, and it was like a subtle. It wasn't so subtle, but it was it was essentially like it labeling marijuana as a black thing because the black community liked it. Um, they they didn't really have a problem with marijuana; they had a problem with black people. So they figured out a way to lock black people up, and um, so Ooh. my grandmother um, in this. Not this, black. Not black. Uh, she One of the things that she wanted to do is she wanted to put a white face on marijuana. So, like, because... And, and she's one of the reasons why the bongs became legal because, uh, you know, she essentially was like, no, this isn't... This isn't a race thing. This isn't, uh, you, you can't just lock people up for this. Like, this is a white thing. I am a white grandmother, and, uh, and good people like this. And, you know, black good people, white good people. And so um, wow. it was, it was an uh, oddly important case for race and marijuana. And um, I don't know. I, you didn't, did, how much did you know about that growing up, though? Okay, so I knew... Almost nothing about that growing up. Uh, my grandmother, she died, and my brother. There was always rumored because uh, my grandma always smelled like weed, and um, she always had like, you know, she she was always like smoking something and had and had a whiskey, and like she called it being on a float. You know, she was like, she'd be like, yeah, you know, you you don't get too drunk or too whatever. You just you get you get a good float going. Okay, and um, my. You know, when she died, they went to clean out her store, and my two older brothers went with. And my brother, Rob, who was a pot enthusiast, was like, dude, we have hit the mother load. I knew it. I knew that her store was it was a bong store. Oh, my God. And um, so uh, anyway, um, but I was in Vegas with my dad uh, for my nephew's wedding. It was like four years ago. And my dad is like a lot of other dads where he has 10 stories and he's told them in rotation over and over and over again for, you know, at that point it was 38 years of my life. Sure. Oh, not this one again. Yeah. Okay. Oh, dad, really? (laughs) You went to see a relationship counselor and you learned that there has to be a me before there can be a we? (laughs) Good. Wow, dad. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal. I'm so glad that I know that. Um so we're at the table and my stepmom was like, Bill, tell him the Rolling Stones story. And I was like, you've been telling me the me before there has to be a we story forever. And there's a Rolling Stones story. Like I was like, dad, this is, this is insanity. You have to tell the Rolling Stones story. And my dad's like, well, I don't really like to talk about it, you know, cause I'm a Christian man and you know, it involves marijuana and I'm not, I'm not really an advocate of that. And, um, and I was like, Dad, we Christians know. are storytellers. Yeah, Christians are storytellers. Like, have you ever smoked too much weed? It makes you see Jesus. Like, like it brings you closer to God. <laughs> I was like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, Well, okay, I'll uh, I'll tell the story. And uh, so apparently, when my grandma was fighting the legal battle, which you can Google all this, or you can look at the High Times article because they're probably I have people every single week that go like, I'm calling bullshit, and I'm like, Just Google it. Just Google it. It it is what it is. Um, uh, but my, so 
the my grandmother was like at the weed st- at the weed store, which was then shut down because the government shut it down. But she physically entered the premises, and um, the Rolling Stones were there doing a concert. And my dad and my grandpa and my grandma were in the weed store, and apparently the Rolling Stones just came in, and my dad was like like oh my god that's Mick Jagger holy crap and of course my my grandmother knew who they were you know she was wilder than my dad <laughs> right and uh, and they're like hey you know we heard that you guys are fighting a court case and we just wanted to help so they brought my grandma my grandpa and my dad on stage at their concert in Oklahoma City where the bong shop is uh, if you want to look it up it's called Lady Anne's Oddities and uh, the sign still stands. It's like a historic landmark now because it was such a pivotal thing. Oh, my in, God. Like, the weed movement. So, like, the hipsters saved the sign. And uh, you can Google it. Google Lady Anne's Oddities. Uh, the sign will come up. But um, but anyway, so my, my, my family went on stage and the Rolling Stones were like, you know, this is the face of marijuana. They're good people. You know, people demonize marijuana as the devil's lettuce. Da, yeah, da, yeah. Da. They're fighting an important court case. If you could help out, you know, like give them a little bit of money. Uh, they're a good family that's going through something. So people threw money at that. They ended up getting a good lawyer. They won the court case, and the rest is history. But I was, like, just sitting there, and my dad's like, we'll say something, you know, because my dad was afraid that I was judging him. And I was like, yeah, I'm judging. Like, you – You've been telling me the same ten stories, uh-huh. and you had a you you were on stage with the the motherfucking stones. What? I'm like, oh my god! And um, it was the coolest story. I've uh, I've never thought my dad was cooler. Right. But he feels he feels shame over it, you know, because he he's not a marijuana guy. And um, recently, him and my stepmom they legalized CBD, and now they take CBD. And he really benefits from it, and he loves it. And uh, does he explain the difference to you, though? Like, I, this, I'm just, uh, yeah, this is just, um, this is just the things that don't get you high, Pete. It, this is an extract. Extract. You know? yeah. This is an extract. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't know. I take CBD every day, and I love it. I, I love CBD. But with the uh, all that other stuff. With with all that <laughs> other stuff. Well, that stuff is on an as needed basis. So yeah. um, usually. The only thing that I take on a daily basis is uh, is the CBD. And when did you move from New York to California? It was June of 2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah, I met I met my girlfriend on a, on an airplane. Uh, oh, I, was, I don't know if I know that. Yeah, I met her on an airplane. I was flying to LA, and I met her. And we didn't date at first. We didn't date for a long time. We just kept in touch via Instagram, and. Um, uh, it was like, you know, we wrote each other every once in a while and I was dating just, I don't, just the worst dating is the worst. I mean, you know that like uh-huh. you all your friends are like, yeah, man, scoring every night. I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, doing simulated mating with somebody I'd never want to have a baby with <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, Exerting a lot of energy, not knowing it's paying off. Yeah. And my friend Nikki Glazer was like, she's like, what about plain girl? She's like, what about the girl you met on the plane? Because I was actually going to hang out with P L A N E. Yeah, plain girl. Yeah, she's super plain. She's <laughs> it's like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, she's just looks like a settler. But yeah, um, she kept saying, "What about plain girl?" And I was like, "Ah, you know, she's 
you know, she's way out in California, all this stuff. And then, uh, and then, yeah, Plain Girl and I finally got back together and it was like kismet. It was, it was meant to be. She's great. So can you say, you, did you move out there for her? I moved out there for her. Look and she, she recently told me that she doesn't like it when I say that because that's a lot of pressure. Um, and well, um, now we're a year and a half in, so. Well, now we're a year and a half in and it's definitely working out for my career. Uh, you know, like I'm working on my own NBC sitcom, which happened when I moved out there. Uh, I have a non-scripted show that Trevor Noah is executive producing. Like, uh, I have like all sorts of like great Hollywood stuff going on. I'm in at all the comedy clubs. Uh, my career is advancing. I've you know got great agents that are out there. I'm with the best management firm. Uh, all of this was a byproduct of moving there for her. And um, you know, wow. as one, as one of my agents put it, uh, she was like, you know, that the, one of the reasons why we signed you is because you didn't move out here like I want to be a star. You moved out here like I'm so into this girl, and while I'm here, I might as well take this meeting. And um, she's like, I like that you moved here for the right reasons and for you know good love reasons look at you know how like uh people be like uh, i'm sure you've been asked a thousand times like you know what's the best piece of advice someone's given you or whatever but how could you turn that around and use that as advice for someone else like well don't don't try to chase after it chase love and it'll just i mean it just doesn't even make sense yeah don't go chasing waterfalls <laughs> chase love Ch- chase love and then you know you might get a good gig out of it chase love brought to you by chase bank <laughs> um no i don't i don't know um i would say uh you know try to in this world of entertainment you have to follow your dreams but you also need a balanced life yeah you know um otherwise you don't have anything to create art about and so i would tell people that you know, like chase, chase love, make yourself and your relationships a priority. Um, there's more than enough time in the day that you're probably being lazy that you could work on your art. Um, and you're just making excuses. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, I would say, you know, chase love. I, are, are you missing New York? I do miss it. I, I go back there all the time. I'm going back there in two weeks to film the TV show I do for Comedy Central this week at the Comedy Cellar. We're oh, it's doing, coming back! Yeah, season three. Nice. Um, they can't do it without you. They got invo- They can't do it without me. I got to fly across the country. Jeez. Um, they don't have enough comedians in New York. Yeah, gosh. No, no yeah. one took your spot. Nobody took my spot. Well, I'm. I'm. I, for right now, I'm only doing the first couple episodes of it, and then uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the season because. I physically can't fly back and forth across the country okay. for thirteen hundred dollars a week. <laughs> that's what that's what they pay. They pay okay. scale because there's something in. Um, I don't know if this is boring or interesting to people, but um, a lot of times when they do when they do one of those shows where there's a lot of talent, yeah. they do a contract called favored nations, and favored nations means that if you and I are doing the same show, uh, and Brandon and other people. Uh, there's no negotiation. Like it's, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. The everybody gets the same thing, and nobody can possibly get more. Otherwise, the whole production is not SAG-AFTRA eligible. Okay, and it's because they clicked that box when they created the contracts, and um, so everything is favored nations. Um, that being said, the production. Uh, you know, if one of the producers wanted to go out and buy a $5,000 computer and charge it to the production, they could do that. But we as the talent can't make a, <laughs> a penny more. 
So I've gone to Comedy Central several times and been like, hey, can I just get some travel? Because yeah. I'm spending $700 to fly here to do the show. I spend more than $500 uh, in hotels to yeah, just yeah. be here. So I'm basically paying like, you know, I'm paying like two to $300 to go film this show. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also writing 20 minutes of material. So to be on for two minutes. To be on for two minutes. And I'm really doing it for the love of the game because I love I love creating material. Yeah. I love seeing all my friends back there. I love hanging out. I love the comedy cellar. Like I love the comedy cellar like I love Acme. It's I feel like it's one of those special places on earth where, you know, all the wood in here has absorbed so much creativity yeah. and laughter and joy and you know, and pain and there's it's a great place, so I go back there for the love, but it's definitely not for the money. And, uh, you know, right now, cable TV, not doing it for the viewers, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm doing it for the love and the exercise of it. But, yeah, season three. Nice. Season three. Nice. Can you say anything more about the – you said a few things about NBC something. Can you say anything about that stuff? Yeah, so um, I'm... Um, so Jimmy Fallon is producing my NBC sitcom, which is really great. Right now they're in the middle... Or not the middle, they're at the tail end of, nego- of negotiating the contract for it. So as soon as the contract gets signed, uh, the we move forward in, in production. But I already have a, I already have a showrunner. You know, we have an executive in charge at NBC. Uh, we pitch them an idea. They love it. Um, and I'm hoping that I can have the last sitcom on television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? No kidding. Yeah. But it, is there is there a sitcom that you watch these days? You know, honestly, I don't. I don't watch any sitcoms, but um, I, I am. I do love the sitcom. You know, like, like I I still watch reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond and Seinfeld and. Uh, you know, even like Mash, I will. I'll yeah. go late at night. I'll be flipping through the channels. I don't even know what channel Mash is on, and if I see Mash, I will watch it. Yeah. You know, that's how how great that sitcom is. But, um, so I guess I am watching like classic sitcoms, but I'm not watching the current ones. Um, but they're so the current sitcoms are so overwritten. I don't feel like there's enough heart in, in them. I don't think that the characters are relatable. Uh, I just I think that the majority of the country does not relate to the life and characters of people who are set in L.A. or New York. Like I think they're so my sitcom is going to be an L, not an L.A. based sitcom. It's going to be shot in L.A., but it's going to be like it's going to be in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. That's going to be the setting of it. But um, so it's something kind of based on your life. I'm yeah, guessing? yeah, based on my life. Uh, I can't say much about it, but. I figured it's it's a midwestern multicultural multi camera sitcom uh, that I keep saying that it's going to be like Roseanne, but if Roseanne was likable, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that Roseanne's not likable, but um, come on, Roseanne. Everyone knows what you mean. Roseanne's kind of she's kind of an asshole. There's you know, some abrasiveness there. Yeah, she's sure. abrasive, and mm-hmm. that's why people liked her. Yeah. but um, no nonsense. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna tell it like it is with yeah. my shrill voice. You know, <laughs> but. Uh, and that being said, I mean she's been on the Acme stage many times, but she she cut her teeth here back in the days. Yeah. So, um, well, that's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's uh, it's exciting. It's overwhelming. It's so cool. Um, it makes you want to keep a parachute in your pocket. Yeah, it right? makes me keep a, an anti anxiety parachute. Yeah, and when I talk about all the anti anxiety stuff, like 
uh, it sounds like I'm unhappy. Like I've never been happier. Like I, I just, I feel like I'm actually doing things for myself to, to be able to exist in these situations where I can enjoy them Mm -hmm. and be present and, um, and, uh, and feel good in those situations. Like you probably should, whereas whatever it is with my brain chem- my brain chemistry, my anxiety, you know, uh, things from my upbringing that would possibly pollute that environment. Yeah. Now they're not. And, uh, life, life feels good. That's you know? awesome. <laughs> How have the shows been this week? Oh my God. They've been phenomenal. We've had two so far yeah. and they, uh, my God, th- this club is so great. Uh, you know how they do the the crash and burn? Are they doing that here mm-hmm. soon? Yeah, next couple months. Next couple months. So I don't know if the, the crowd that comes here knows this, but I've done crash and burn before. Yep. And this this club is like a big, you know, material generating place yep. for me. Okay. So I quietly do my own crash and burn week every time that I'm here. So I've already written probably 20 to 25 minutes of material just since Monday. Wow. And then I've been trying it out and doing it. And, like, last night it was – I worked on it really hard yesterday. I went back and turned the screws, and um, it's so fun. Like, I, I sound, that sounds like a like a jerk move to say, like, it's so funny. But it, no, no, no. it is, and I'm really proud of what I've written. And, um, uh, and then I'm just going to keep turning the screws on it. Uh, keep, keep folding more material into it, taking stuff out. But yeah, by Saturday, I hope to have like a new 30 minutes from just from this week. Nice. Will you call Tim Slagle and credit him with the idea? Oh yeah. I will. I will give Tim Slagle full credit for it. I will do that. Definitely. Yeah. For his crash and burn system. You know, I actually, I saw Tim in Chicago and I told him that I would do that here, but I'll, I'll reiterate that to him. I'm sure it would mean a lot to him. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, so I need to know, uh, we talked about your mental health already. I need to know what's going on with the, you had some fish scales removed from your arm. Or oh the, my God. Explain to me what the hell happened. Yeah. So that sounds um, awful. Well, the little thing I read that you wrote on Instagram, it sounds terrible. Do you want to see the scar? Yeah. Should I we think start so. out with the scar? Sure. I think I do. And hey, Brandon, while he's pulling his uh, arm out, can you give me an idea of how much time we've done? I forgot to check. Okay, thank you. Do you see the scar? Yeah, well, that doesn't look so bad. Yeah, so there were like 28 stitches in there because they did the surgery on it. Um, so long story short, I had sea urchin in my arm. Uh, I was surfing in Cabo, and um, so he did the surgery, got three of them out, sewed me back up completely, and then was like feeling, and he's like, oh, my God, there's way more of those in there. And he opened it back up, but because he opened it up twice, he had to like put the most stitches in a confined area and it was it looked gnarly i looked like i had like beef jerky elbow with all these like purple stitches but um yes in mexico in mexico so well no it didn't uh so i was surfing in cabo on august 17th and um i learned that like one in every 72 waves i've been getting really into into surfing but like uh, wavelengths are irregular, you know? Sure. They're pretty regular, and then there will be, like, one rogue wavelength uh, every 72 ones. And if you ever have seen surfers, they'll be out in the ocean, and then all of a sudden they'll start paddling all together. Because they're counting? No, they <laughs> they just they can spot the big wave that's coming. Sure. And they will see it, and they will just turn, cal- like, s- calmly. They will turn and start paddling out into the ocean. Okay. 
And uh, up until this time, I always looked at them doing that while I was out there like, idiots. And um, I would always try to catch that wave. I'd be like, dude, nobody's going to try to catch this sweet 15-foot rogue wave. And um, so I was in Cabo, and I was surfing at a place called Monuments, which is, like, way above my... Like my surfing ability, oh, like a black diamond or something, a black diamond equivalent to that, right? And yeah, and I'm actually surfing pretty well there on this day, and uh-huh. I can't even believe that I'm surfing above my pay grade. So, um, uh, so anyway, all the surfers, and by the way, there are pro surfers here surfing this thing, and they just turn calmly and they're paddling out, yeah, yeah. and I was like, turkeys, I'm gonna catch this wave. And uh, I did something called nuking. Nuking is where, like, let's say that a, a wave curls like this, right? Um, nuking is where you get into the wave, and then you fall at the bottom of it hard. Like, you face plant, And then not only do you face plant, but then the wave takes you over, and it bashes you in, and then you can actually, like, see the person being washing machined over and over again. Yikes. So, yeah, so you you face plant, and then that's the beginning of the bad part. <laughs> and uh, and um, part of this washing machine motion is that it it can kind of grind you into the you know into the surface of the the ocean. Which in this one, it's this like coral reef that has a lot of plant growth over it. Mm-hmm. One of the things on this is sea urchins. They just they're little sea porcupines, and they just they sit there and. Uh, so while I was rolling, very gently, my elbow just, like, kissed this rock, you know. And I remember thinking, ah, that was a little painful, just a little. Yeah. And um, I get my board, and uh, I'm being, like, washed into, like, even more rocks. And uh, and so I get on my board, and I'm like, oh, I got to paddle my ass off. And whenever there's a big wave, there's two more big waves right behind it. So yeah. I have to duck dive into two more waves. And then my girlfriend, Jamie... She decided that she wanted to go out and snorkel in, like, red flag conditions. Sure, when you're not supposed to. When you're not supposed to. So I'm drifting towards shore, and I hear her being like, help, babe, oh, my God, help. No, so, so no, I no. So I paddle over to her, and I, like, get her on my surfboard, and we're both, like, drowning to shore together. <laughs> yeah. And we get on the shore, and we're just, like, laying face down in the sand, panting. And she's like, babe, your elbow. And I look, and through my rash guard, there were like eight, spi- like sea urchin spikes. Like, oh. like, like I was, I was in surf mode. That makes my skin crawl, Pete. Oh man. Yeah, my my elbow was like metal. Yeah, right. <laughs> like metal, man. Yeah. Is that a mohawk? Yeah, it had a. Mo- it was like I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. So, uh, so I I was like what should I do? And my girlfriend's a nurse. She's a psych nurse practitioner, but she's also a, she's a nurse practitioner. So, um, that's one level below a doctor. And so she knows a little bit about a little bit. And she was like, you need to go to the, the resort. You need to go to the doctor immediately. Yeah. So I ran upstairs and I was like, do you guys have a resort doctor? And they're like, Oh yeah, we do. And this dude comes up and he looked like they just put one of the bus boys in the doctor coat for the day. And I was like, hey, so you're a doctor? And he was like, yeah. And um, See? Yeah, and he has, a, he has a bottle of saline that he's squirting at my arm, and then he has tweezers. And I was like, I don't think this guy's a surgeon. And he's just, like, pulling the things out. And, uh, and I was like, hey, are these, are these poisonous? Right. And he goes, what day do you leave? And I go, uh, tomorrow. And he goes, nah, you're fine. No! No, no, no. Yeah. 
Bad sign when he answers with a question. Bad sign, yeah. So uh, so I was leaving the next day, and we got home, and then the day after that, I went immediately to my doctor. And uh, my doctor is this Russian dude, and he was like, he's like, well, so you have a sea urchin in your arm. I've seen this before. Uh, um, you know what they say about that? Uh, you soak it in vinegar. Uh, it, it pulls the spikes out of your arm. No surgery. You're fine. You're fine. So I'm... He, you know, first of all, he takes my blood at that juncture yeah, to see if I had, like, a blood infection, you know, whatever. And uh, I was getting just, like, random chills from it and, like, random doses of the venom or a oh bacterial infection. You're probably thinking, what, do I have cancer or something? Yeah. I'm going down all these, like, you know, Google and YouTube rabbit holes. Yeah. Seeing cases where a guy got stung by a sea urchin in his foot and then he developed a spine tumor and died three days later. And uh, I'm you have going, gills oh. now. Yeah, I'm like, what in the hell is this? Am I going to become sea urchin man, like <laughs> Spider Man, where, yeah. where my DNA is part sea urchin? <laughs> um, You're craving salt water. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? And uh, so I just kept going back to the doctor, and he's like, are you soaking it in the vinegar? And like, you know, the popcorn bowl. I, I had the yeah. whole, I those you know those giant jugs of vinegar at the grocery store where you're just like bought one recently for yeah, cleaning. Yeah, I'm like who's buying that? I'd buy four at a time, <laughs> and. The, the cashiers of the grocery store was they were looking at me like are you some sort of like new unibomber like i don't think anybody's supposed to be yeah. <laughs> buying that much or are you of getting it. drunk off this somehow What's yeah going on? i was probably on a watch list i don't know but oh, yeah. I, I was just soaking my elbow in the vinegar every single night and it wasn't working and um so uh along this part there were like three bumps and uh and i was like i gotta i gotta have these out I kept going back to the doctor. He'd take blood. He'd be like, all right, yeah, your blood's showing that you're fighting a little infection, but, you know, it should be fine. Just keep keep waiting. Keep... So finally, uh, we were going to go back to Cabo. We were going back to Cabo on vacation, and I was like, I need surgery. And um, I go to see this, uh, this surgeon, and he does an ultrasound on my elbow, and he's like, oh, my God, you have the worst infection in your elbow. You need to get these out. And I was like, shit we're leaving for cabo tomorrow i yeah. just got to go back down there with this infection <laughs> and hope i don't die so we went down to cabo like i i surfed again swam with whale sharks it was amazing stay in the same place i uh, stayed at the same place it was incredible flew back to la the next day i had surgery on my elbow and um he said uh he's like you had such a you had eight different infections like when you have a when you have a sinus infection, you have basically like a thing like like the size of the end of this straw that's like an infection in your sinus. Okay. And your body is like wasted tired just trying to just trying to fight that, sometimes with antibiotics. So when you have a foreign body in your arm, your body will create almost like a, a little tic-tac of a, a – your immune system creates like a little tic-tac of tissue around it where it just eats the thing slowly over time. And uh, so when he went in there, he's like, yeah, you basically had like eight Tic Tacs that I had to scoop out. And and he's oh, like, and I was so tired. I Like, I was so tired all the time that I was like, do I have... Do I have Lyme's disease? Oh, like, yeah. like, am I am I getting cancer from this? Like, what is... I, I thought something was seriously wrong with me. And mentally, I couldn't even think that this could be that. Right. You're thinking, I mean... you. Most people think you're from Wisconsin, have lived in Minnesota. More likely it's a tick. Yeah, it's a tick or something like that. 
but yeah, I had uh, I had sea urchin limes, and then uh, I did the <laughs> I did the surgery, and they they completely shocked my system with like like intense ad- antibiotics, and then uh, yeah, I mean that was. Uh, that was almost a month ago, and I'm totally fine. Now I have a cool scar. Yeah. But I had to immobilize my arm for 17 days because it's an elbow surgery, and sure. that tissue has to heal, so it has to stay still. And so I had to walk around with this air cast that was wrist to shoulder. Oh, that's uncomfortable. It was it was awful, but um, I joked around that uh, that like because I had this fabric cast, it looked like I was training police canines. <laughs> ready bites yeah like yeah, you ever see those videos where the dog's running in slow motion and the guy's face is like no yes. <laughs> no even when they know it's coming it's terrifying mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah. okay you're all better now that's good all better now that's good that's how good. have you been by the way i we've talked about me for the, the like 45 minutes well i've I been won't... here for all 300 and some episodes you you haven't been yeah. um i have a new baby at home you have a new baby she's almost six months old holy moly mm-hmm. oh wow that's great i have I... a 13 year old 11 year old and almost six month old wow 13 year old 11 year old and six month old wow that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. They're healthy, happy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude, that's so lucky. Yeah. That is, so there are so many people out there in the world that, that physically can't have kids, and yeah. your body's just like, I'll make another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a friend of mine would tried for several years to get pregnant, and he they're going to have a baby in the next couple months, twins. Mm. But I, I actually went through a thing where um, – I held back the information that my wife was pregnant mm. while he was trying to get his wife pregnant because I felt so shitty. Like, we yeah, didn't, we didn't have to try much, and we're, we've it happened. And yeah, you're trying super hard, and that's not fair. And well, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be like we're having a baby. Hashtag brag, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know how you can't afford a car? Lamborghini yeah, right. over here. What do you need my help? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah you, you want me to plow her? <laughs> I'm fertile. <laughs> plow. <laughs> you turned me down. Yeah. Turned me down. Um. Yeah, so that's that's what's going on with me. Is I have I'm so a, proud of you. I'm you. so happy for thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. How do the 11 and 13 uh, year old? How are they responding to the new baby? Are they protective? Are they mad? She no. When they're you know they're they're with me part time because mm-hmm. they you know spend time at their mother's house yeah. as well. So when they come to my house, yeah, they, they directly go to the baby, want to hold her, see how she's doing. That's cool. Changing poopy diapers. They're not holding off on that, which I appreciate. So They're doing that? They're doing it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. The only thing is that my 13-year-old just the other day was like, you and, you and Ashley should go out soon so I can babysit. I said, so I could pay you? Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah. Not, like, I will pay you not to be alone for the day with my newborn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not in the budget right now. If Isn't I ask that, you to watch her, you're doing it for free. Thanks. Isn't that funny, though, that, uh, like, I, when we were kids, I remember my brother being, like, 13 or 12 and babysitting me. And nowadays, that's, like, call Child Protective Services. Right. And, like, in the 80s, that's what that was. Uh, and But, yeah, nowadays, it's... Uh, it, you're like, no, I don't. I think I might get in trouble if mm-hmm. I let my 13 year old do that. Oh yeah. What age does a kid have to be when they can babysit, morally or ethically? <laughs> like, what is that morally? age? I I think it's right around 
twelve or thirteen, depending on really? how okay. long. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So depending... twelve or thirteen, they can watch their their younger sibling. Yeah, people right. do that. Yeah. Okay. My, yeah, my my daughters have uh, some nieces that uh, that they'll babysit. They're they're young. They're two and under, and they go and watch them for a few hours. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You interested in babysitting at all? You have some free time this weekend? You know what's funny is I nannied. Um, I don't think that I have free time to nanny this weekend, but uh, um, I really want to come see Pete Lee. Could you watch? Yeah, my could daughter? I? What if? What if she's just on stage and you know that that like rocking thing? Oh yeah, I, I we just, go. I just have her on stage and the crowd will laugh really hard. I'll be like, shh, the baby, the baby, she's sleeping. Come yeah, on. we're we're doing a quiet comedy show. <laughs> the baby. Um. Yeah, I when I was uh, when I lived here there there was a family that they lived uh on White Bear Lake. Yeah. And um and I would actually nanny for them. Uh but they were on the water ski team, the Twin Cities River Rats that, that I was on that I skied for for a long time. Oh, yeah. And so nannying them was basically like I would stay there the weekend when they'd go on a vacation and then we would just wake up at 7 and, and go, go water skiing. go water skiing and wakeboarding that all sounds day. That's awesome. And then they'd take a nap because they were exhausted, and I was like, "So that was my yeah. that was my nannying." Hurry uh, up and wake up! I want to. Pete wants to go back on the boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just having a water ski camp. Yeah. <laughs> and they paid you for that. They paid me for that. Yeah. yeah, they they paid me for that. And then they also had they had this sweet house that was just so cool, and um, you know, and. Yeah, it was it was like a dream thing, and I was like, you, I can't believe you're paying me for this, but they'll probably come out this week. The, I was just gonna say, have these kids now grown up and mm-hmm. come to your shows? Yeah, the kids that are grown up, uh, one of them's done with college already. Uh, the other one's in college. Uh, they they always had a hot daughter that was my age. That uh, I'd, better I'd be, follow that up pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd be, I'd be, I, well, I'm like, I'm not interested now because I'm in my dream relationship. But uh, I remember at the time, I'd be like nannying, and then you know we'd drive the boat back to the dock, and their their hot, you know, their hot daughter would just be laying out. I'd be like, this is hell on earth. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She was like. I think she had like just gotten done with college at that time, and I was I was in my like mid twenties. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, those were the days. You you were Pete Pete as fuck back then. Yeah, I was Pete <laughs> AF back then. Yeah, I was. Uh, man, I'm so. Are, do you ever feel happy that you got to go through through your like twenties uh, without social media? God, yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I would have been, you know, canceled so hard for just the dumb, drunken stuff that I. I'm gonna go pee in the middle of the road. You know, all of that would have been on tape. How about this, Pete? Just not being able, just to be able to hide at home. Not like, yeah, I texted you ten thousand times. I called you ten thousand times. Yeah, you could actually hide out and be like, well, I, what, I didn't listen to your voicemail on my answering machine. Sorry. That was a tape. Yeah, it was a tape. Yeah, the tape was broken. The tape ran out of storage. Yeah, it ran out of storage. So, Sorry. so I just had to stay home and watch Caddyshack all day. Exactly. Yeah. No, b- between all the things that would have been recorded, and you know, kept and shared, and yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. Hell no. I I'm so glad that we. We grew up during that era, and I remember thinking when we growing up during that era, 
there was the generation before us that grew up in the 70s with like free love and sex and like you know hiv wasn't a thing so they would just like screw like mad and then maybe get a shot in the butt and uh i remember our generation was like man we can't we can't have sex like that oh no like like we gotta we gotta be really careful i was Uh, very careful. I was very careful. Very careful. I was very I, careful too. Because everything, I was so scared. Yeah. Yeah. And then now this generation, with all the cell phones and social media and all that kind of stuff, like, like uh, you know, a guy, uh, like teenage boys, probably can't even like just go in for the kiss. They got to be like, do I have consent to smooch you, please? <laughs> and uh, so, like, like every generation, there's more. Uh-huh. There's more restraints, which, uh, you know, it's honestly for uh, for the kids watching, it's good to ask. <laughs> yes. It's good to ask. Uh-huh. If there's anything you can take out of this podcast, it's, uh, you know, don't assume. Don't assume. Don't assume. It's good to ask. Mm-hmm. And I've heard I've heard girls be like, well, yeah, no, it sucks because the guy doesn't make the first move and I get, like, frustrated. And I'm like, so you're saying it's kind of hot? <laughs> is yeah. that, what, mm-hmm. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, you're saying that you... You want that kiss even more because the guy's not doing it, you know? Yeah. Would you want to? Would you want to go back if you could? Would you want to go back in time and help out uh, teenage or twenty-something Pete in his relationships? Like any times you were like, uh, like all the uncertainty and the nervous, the nerves and all that. Would you want to go back and help that guy out or just let it play out the way it did? Oh my God! Yeah, I would love to go back and, I mean, I love where I'm at now. So maybe I wouldn't want to change that, but God, if I could, if I, if I could go back and tell 20, 20 year old me that I had this house at the U of M that Brock Lesnar was our next door neighbor and we would have parties and the wrestling house would have parties. And like, it was the coolest thing ever. And then I was dating this girl that just sucked. Like she was just like, like uh, a fun sponge and she wanted to move in together. So I moved out of this house with these great guys into this house with this girl that was, like, just mean, you know? Like, just, she was, like, a mean person. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then she ended up cheating on me. Uh, she got a job at TGI Fridays, and uh, there was this busboy that worked there. That Not she the busboy. Yeah, she ended up cheating with on me with him, and then she... Uh, uh, she ended up uh, running off to Arizona with the busboy to live together, and um, work at another TGI Fridays, no doubt. Yeah, and I just wish that I, I wish I could go back and tell Minnesota Pete that at twenty, be you know, just because he said like I love you to this girl who was mean, I wish I could go back and tell him like, hey, uh, she's not a good person. Uh, I know that she's going to go, you told me you loved me. Why won't you move in with me? Uh, I I wish that I could tell him to go, well, uh, I know you're saying I'm a bad guy, but it's okay to be misunderstood. And I'm going to stay living in this house with these (laughs) awesome dudes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brock says I got to stay. Yeah, yeah. Brock Brock says I got to stay. I wish I would have done that. Um, uh, I wish I could tell 20-year-old me to do that yeah uh yeah lewis um i don't know if this is all right that i say this but lewis that owns acme was so upset about this whole thing while i was in it i was like lewis i think she's cheating on me or our bed smells like hugo boss cologne oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, lewis, and you wore your car 
Yeah, and I wore your car, and like, how dare she? And uh, I, it was so dramatic. Like now, looking back on it, it doesn't even matter. But, uh-huh. but Lewis was like, he's like, okay, he's like, he's like, I, uh, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook you up with a girl, and um, and I'm gonna have her come over, and then she's gonna come home and catch you two together, and that can be her punishment. Like Lewis was like trying to be my advocate so oh my so gosh. hard, and um, uh, I never did it because I was like I. Even in the face of her being a real a real bitch, I can't. Yeah, I gotta still. I'm still the nice guy. Yeah, right. I gotta retain my character. <laughs> wow. but I should have been like in a very Minnesota way. I should have been like, "Hey, fuck off." Yeah, yeah. Passive aggressively, fuck off. Yeah, hey, fuck off. <laughs> Pete, we're gonna put a bow on this thing. Yeah. Is there uh, so people need to come? There's still shows this weekend at Acme. Uh, whenever they listen to this, they listen to it today, Thursday. There's one tonight. To yeah. Friday to Saturday. Yep. Keep an eye out for whatever you're going to be doing with NBC. Follow yeah. you on Instagram. It's a very good follow. You post Thank a you. lot. I do post a lot. I've been posting more videos. Um, I'm a pretty good video editor, so I've been actually putting those skills to use. But if you want to follow me on Instagram or TikTok, um, I, uh, I, I'm verified on both now. And by the way, TikTok is the future, and it is so fun, and I recommend it. Okay. Uh, but follow me at Peatley, Peatley, Peatley. It's my name three times in a row. Peatley, Peatley, Peatley. Uh, but yeah, please follow me on there. Um, if you want, if you're listening to this, uh, on the internet and you don't live in Minnesota, which a lot of people, I'm sure that you have people all around the country that listen to this. Um, uh, you can go to peatley.net for my tour dates. So do that and listen to snuggle storm, the Damn snuggle right. storm podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, say you have more t-shirts for sale here at the, uh, I do have at Acme. I do have more t-shirts for sale here at the Acme. Yeah. So, uh, um, you can buy those. I'll probably sell out by Friday late. So if you're coming to the Saturday show and you want one, send me a message. I'll save you a size. You heard it here. Yeah. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Justin. Boom. Boom.